Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. Strangers, in honor of our first ever Halloween episode, that is our first ever episode to actually fall on Halloween, we want to talk about the devil. No, don't worry, This podcast is not taking a sudden turn. We mean, of course, the devil of southern New Jersey. Of the Pine Barrens, mostly. According to the New Jersey official tourist website, the Pine Barrens, quote, also known as the Pinelands, is an enormous and all-encompassing tract of open space that covers 1.1 million acres, or 22% of New Jersey's land area. The site explains that the area, quote, envelopes a number of interesting towns, but it promises that you can also, quote, experience the otherworldly beauty of the quiet, pine-filled forests. Apparently, the sandy soil of the Barrens is an important feature because it makes for waterways that wind between the forests. There are cedar swamps, too, and rivers that run next to trails and into miles of state-protected land. It's no doubt a beautiful place. And situated in the Pine Barrens is a place called Leeds Point, also known as Leeds, or so the internet promises us. It's a small community in Galloway Township in Atlantic County. According to the Asbury Park Press, Leeds Point is named for the Leeds family, who had quite a hand in the establishment of the area. The first of the Leeds clan, Daniel Leeds, was famous for his almanacs. And the Leeds family has a Benjamin Franklin backstory that we would love to get into here. Someone finance our feature-length film already. But we have to keep this show on the road. Anyway, Leeds Point and the Pine Barrens and other small villages in the area, they are the site of something special. A few hundred years ago, 
the area gave birth, perhaps literally, to what might be one of America's oldest paranormal legends. The Jersey Devil, or the Leeds Devil, is one of the United States' best-known cryptids, and one of its oldest as far as stories go. There is more to this tale than we could possibly cover in a single compact episode. In fact, literal scholars have written entire books on the subject, but we are pleased to bring you our take on the only official demon of the Garden State. That's right. According to the Pinesland Alliance, the Jersey Devil earned that designation back in 1938. Bet the skunk ape is feeling a little, uh, intimidated right now. Moving on, the folklore surrounding the devil may date back to the early 18th century, and sightings continue to this day. Sightings of what, you may ask? Well, it depends on which source you're consulting. According to the official website for the state of New Jersey, which has an entire webpage devoted to the topic, reports vary. Some say the Jersey Devil, quote, has a horse's head, long legs with hooves, two short front legs, and bat's wings. No one knows how tall it is. Some people think it's six feet tall. Others think it's only three or four feet tall. The devil has glowing red eyes and makes loud screeching sounds. It's very ugly, and people are terrified after seeing it. Though we hesitate to critique a governmental entity, we feel that we should also point out that there's another popular version of the cryptid. That is, per the Pinesland Alliance, a, quote, kangaroo-like creature with the face of a horse, the head of a dog, bat-like wings, horns, and a tail. Some sources even go further and describe the dog's head as that of a collie. Which, truly, what an unfortunate mental picture this creature has been roaming southwest New Jersey for a long time. Or so they say. Though it's also been said the devil makes forays into Philadelphia, New York, and even California. Maybe for a little sun. And what does this devil do? The Fort Wayne News wrote of the legend, quote, It turned the milk sour, lamed the horses in their stall, dried up the cows, made scar the Indian corn growing in the fields, accompanied as it usually was by the howling of dogs and the hooting of owls, there could be no forerunner of disaster. More specifically, it's been accused of stealing chickens, attacking livestock, stalking homes, frightening residents, and even menacing children. Perhaps its most odd activity is related to the waterways. As Strange Magazine writes, some legends warn that the Jersey Devil would appear on the New Jersey shore and shriek as ships wrecked out on the sea. Was it causing the wrecks, or was it just enjoying them? No one got a quote. But the themes, they do seem consistent. Chaos, mischief, even disaster. What's interesting to us about the Jersey Devil is that it has a pretty specific, if perhaps apocryphal, origin story. 
We'll get into those details throughout the episode, but some basics are necessary to establish from the beginning. The story that's been told in dozens of places, with varying details. There's a woman, usually called Mother Leeds, living in a settlement in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. This was back in colonial times, maybe in the early 18th century. In one version, she'd already had 12 children, and she was pregnant with her 13th. Not, as folklore goes, a very lucky number. In other versions, she was a witch, and yet others, she was simply a very tired woman. But most versions include her saying something rather unfortunate, because she was exhausted by childcare or perhaps childbirth. She cried, let this one be a devil. The official New Jersey website offers one version of what happened next. After, quote, Mother Leeds said she wanted the baby to be a devil, the baby was born with a tail, wings, and hooves, and flew up the chimney. That night, the Jersey Devil was born. There are numerous variations. The Asbury Park Press wrote that some say Mrs. Leeds was actually living in Estelleville, and it was around 1800 and that she found out that she was pregnant for the 12th time. Other versions have Mother Leeds as Jane Leeds, or a girl with no particular name at all. Sometimes she was in love with a British soldier. Other times she was cursed by a Roma wise woman, or so on. Sometimes the baby was born as a human, but then transformed and crawled up the chimney. But the real point of the story whether it began in 1735 or 1800, was the establishment of a creature that would bedevil southern New Jersey and the surrounding areas from that point forward. Because unlike many of the cryptids of North America, stories of the devil stretch back centuries. We found ourselves reading articles that felt strangely familiar, about people caught up in experiences that they couldn't quite explain. According to the New Jersey Digest, quote, the devil's presence has been noted in over 50 towns. The Jersey Digest claims that the earliest sighting, we assume they aren't counting the surprised birthing room of Mrs. Leeds, is often attributed to one Joseph Bonaparte, who, quote, reported seeing the Jersey devil while out hunting. Bonaparte was rather light on the details. Maybe he figured that, being the former king of Spain and all, he would simply be taken on his word. If you're wondering how the former king of Spain ended up in New Jersey, well, let's just say that his brother, Napoleon's grand scheme, did not go to plan. In any case, Bonaparte's report apparently kicked off quite the spate of sightings. But... The earliest report that we actually found was from the late 1880s, and then we found quite a few more from the late 1890s, when it seemed there were a run of sightings. And in all the stories that we uncovered, we found the creature was called the Leeds Devil. We didn't find any shipwreck stories, but there were plenty of the kind of cryptid encounters that you, strangers, 
will no doubt recognize as emblematic of the genre. For instance, in 1888, the Albury Banner reported the story of a distinctly owl-like creature with, quote, beautiful plumage. It was, apparently, attacking dogs in Mulberry, South Carolina, a place nowhere near New Jersey. But on reading about it, a Pines Barren area local told reporters that he recognized the description immediately. He said it was the Leeds Devil. The man, a retired colonel, had himself never seen the thing, but he said he remembered well when it was, quote, roaming around the woods 50 years ago and when it was hunted by men and dogs and shot at by the best marksmen out here, but could not be killed. He then added a strange addition to the Jersey Devil origin story, one we had not heard before. He told the paper that the story of Mrs. Leeds' monstrous offspring had not initially been believed, though the nurse who attended her had told it around the town. People suspected someone had made off with the baby, or something even more ominous had occurred. But then, he said, a man who'd been in the woods, quote, reported seeing a creature that had frightened him away with its terrible shrieks. His descriptions of it tallied with the ones the Leeds nurse had given. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you ever wondered what it feels like to be attacked by an alligator? Or what goes through one's mind as they're stranded in a snowstorm? What Was That Like is the podcast for you. Real people come on every episode to explain the unbelievable situations they've been through. Guests share how they really felt during their most surreal experiences. They tell us what they did the morning before an earthquake, how it feels to win The Price is Right, and all sorts of details that you'd never learn anywhere else. If you're interested in hearing disturbing and inspiring firsthand stories, What Was That Like is the podcast you've been looking for. Every story is thoroughly researched and fact-checked, so you know that even the most unrealistic are someone's reality. Listen to What Was That Like wherever you get your podcasts. Now, as we said... Just a few years later, there was another spate of devil sightings. The Morning News ran a reprint from the New York Sun in February of 1893. In it, a railroad engineer regaled a reporter with the news that his fellow railmen in South Jersey were having run-ins with, quote, the Leeds Devil. He told the reporter, 
All I've got to say is, if the Leeds Devil has held its own since I saw it a few years ago, I feel sorry for anyone who gets a sight of it. I was running the South Jersey Railroad at the time, and we were booming along through the pines just at dusk one October evening when I heard the most unearthly shriek. Then the next second, something came swooping down from the pines and stuck its head through the cab window. It was the ugliest and most terrifying-looking head and face that a person could conjure up in his wildest dreams. The beast was much like an owl, though larger, the face was like that of an ape or a monkey. The cheeks were sunken, and above them glared a pair of fiery and protruding eyes with a black streak over each. It had a feathered body and a pair of huge wings, which worked as noiselessly as shadows. The engineer reported that the beast screeched so loudly that it, quote, shook things in the cab, causing, quote, the fireman to faint away dead in front of the furnace. The engineer struck at the beast with a huge poker, one he figured would have taken down a beast several times its size, but he said there was no effect. All this while they were traveling at 40 miles per hour. We don't know what the poor engineer would have done, but the creature, the lead's devil by his estimation, apparently grew bored with this game. It uttered a final, blood-curdling screech and swooped back into the pine forest. In July of that same year, the Courier-Journal wrote a rather strange account of another Leeds Devil sighting, which included a lot of backstory about the creature hanging around with headless pirate ghosts, of all things. Anyway... The journal reported one interesting bit of lore that we hadn't seen elsewhere. That, allegedly, the Leeds Devil had warned South Jersey of the coming of the Civil War. We assume by shrieking horribly. More recently, though, it had apparently appeared to two separate men in two different areas, quote, without knowledge of the other's experience. More to the paper's interest... These were well-respected men. Reporting on the same incidents, the Omaha World Herald described the devil this time as having, quote, an elongated serpent-like body, cloven hooves, the wings of a bat, and the tail of a dragon. The most well-reported sightings of the devil, and when it first began to be called the Jersey Devil, came in 1909 and stretched from South Jersey into Philadelphia. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, it all began on January 16th, when residents in South Jersey reported that hoofprints had appeared in the snow around their homes. Not wholly unheard of, of course, but there was the small matter of them appearing on the rooftops, too. Soon, townsfolk were complaining of a much bigger problem. Their chickens were disappearing. And then, their pets were being chased by a beast. This time, the description was a little different. Quote, It had four legs and could walk on two. It was winged and had the body of a kangaroo or a large possum. Its head was like that of a horse or a collie. Its eyes blazed. It breathed fire. According to the Grand Folks Daily Herald, at least some of the people of South Jersey thought the creature that was attacking their chickens was 
some kind of large bird, but many were sure that the Leeds Devil was back. So many were concerned, in fact, that hunting parties went out into the woods in search of it, and police told reporters that they were, quote, satisfied that the tracks were not the work of a practical joker, for the hoof prints appear in places a human could not gain access to. The paper added that though the farmers turned hunters had not made any headway in trying to catch the devil, they did report catching glimpses of a creature they described as, quote, a winged kangaroo or a four-legged ostrich. There were many, many local sightings to record. According to the Weekly Eagle, a local church deacon named William Cronk claimed to have seen the creature right outside his home. He said that it looked like a crane, but much bigger, and, quote, declined to commit himself on the horse's face, collie head, and burning tail reported by others. Regarding his response to seeing the Jersey Devil outside his home, Deacon Cronk said, I just pulled down the blind. I ain't responsible for no such birds as that. I want that understood. There were more dramatic sightings, too, mostly involving a bird-like creature screeching at people from their rooftops. But we feel Deacon Cronk had the most sensible approach, so he gets the floor. And now, at this point, we should tell you, a very determined Philadelphia newsman named Norman Jeffries was on the Leeds Devil story that January. He was, in fact, the one who coined the name the Jersey Devil in his many stories. And he had been spinning up an absolute panic about the 1909 sightings on his side of the state line. So much so that, quote, the Philadelphia Zoo reportedly offered a $10,000 reward for the capture of the creature. He wrote stories about Jersey sightings and Philadelphia ones, too. In fact, that whole fire-breathing bit, it seemed to first appear in his columns. A good touch, we must admit. He wrote about the hunting parties that went out in January, just as the Grand Forks Daily Herald did. But Norman added flair. He declared that, quote, Hounds put on the trail refused to follow the tracks, and with bristling hair and the picture of terror, ran home. And Jeffries kept riding. There were more hunts, he said. Tracks vanished. Old people were telling the story of Mrs. Leeds to whoever would listen. And in Norman Jeffries' version of events, the great terror was only quashed when in late January of 1909, Hunters finally managed to capture the Jersey Devil. Alive. Per the Inquirer, Jeffries announced this beast would be on display at a museum. Specifically, quote, the Struggling Dime Museum, which, quote, Jeffries had represented for years. By represented, uh, we assume they mean in a promotional capacity. As you might imagine... That corner of the Northeast was in a fervor, one that Jeffries himself had stirred up. But what appeared to the waiting crowds at the museum was not a paranormal beast. It was, strangers, quite unfortunately, 
a costumed kangaroo. There were no wings, no hooves, and certainly no fire. Some sources even claim that he painted the poor thing green. And how do we know this was a hoax? Well, according to the Inquirer, Jeffries eventually admitted to it. Much, much later. All the reporting he did on the topic certainly got the sightings coming in and had the name Jersey Devil on everyone's lips. But it was obvious that many of the sightings printed in the Philadelphia Inquirer had been a fraud, manufactured by Jeffries himself. It's likely he'd played on that old folklore to make a little money for his paper, and likely the museum too. There was, ultimately, much ado about nothing. Well, it would be nothing, except for one strange thing. Not all those sightings had come from Norman Jeffrey's column, and in New Jersey, there had been a separate, less well-reported hunt. We found an article from October of 1909 on the subject, discussing a hunt that had occurred some months before. In January, we expect. The news was spreading that fall because of an exhibit coming to the State Museum. That exhibit was, of course, of the Jersey Devil, though they didn't say that directly. According to the Rock Island Argus, two boys had come upon a strange beast, a dead one, in the woods, when the hunts were still on. They'd apparently brought the beast into town for examination, where officials found that it was, quote, about 20 inches long and thin. The spinal column extends six inches behind the junction of the hind legs like a kangaroo, but this again is tipped with nine inches of tail like a squirrel's. The strangest features of all, the legs, are 15 inches long, consisting of four joints, and socketed to these are the feet, which take the form of broad, flat bone with a distinct heel. There was no mention of wings. The creature was duly examined and declared utterly strange. But, oddly, it did not get the press of the painted kangaroo. Now, are we saying that this strange beast was the Jersey Devil? Well, if we did that, we would have our detractors. On one hand, there have been regular sightings of the New Jersey Devil since 1909. In fact, a book came out just last year, Jersey Devil Update 2022, More Modern Encounters with New Jersey's Enduring Legend. And that book is chock full of them. The author, Chris Differ, gathers together 12 chapters of sightings, ranging from Forestry Service employees in southern New Jersey to unlucky attendees at Halloween parades. One particularly strange incident involved a bread truck driver who was traveling from Philadelphia to New Jersey. He claimed that, at a stop, the Jersey Devil made its way inside his truck and stole a case of donuts. But we should add that there are some who believe that the entire existence of the Jersey Devil, as a piece of folklore and as a cryptid, should be examined more closely. 
And that's because, they argue, when you study the story, it seems it may be rooted more in historical intrigue than paranormal phenomena. Remember when we mentioned Benjamin Franklin? We still don't have time to give you that side story. But if you'll recall, we did tell you that the Leeds family were real people, thus Leeds Point. And as we mentioned, they were an almanac publishing family. As Brian Regal wrote for the Skeptical Inquirer, the Leeds were Quakers and important members of the community. And apparently, when Daniel Leeds, the founder of the Almanac Enterprise, got interested in astrology, the other Quakers... Well, they did not find it to be appropriate almanac fodder, and they censured him. Per Brian Regal, this did not sit well with Daniel Leeds. So, out of both interest and, quote, a growing resentment of his fellow Quakers, Leeds put together a book called The Temple of Wisdom. Apparently, much of the work was plagiarized and included, quote, cosmology, sections on angels, natural magic, astrology, and the behavior of devils. This was extremely unpopular. The occultism, we mean. We assume that plagiarism was not a hot topic. Paired with Daniel's growing anti-Quaker sentiments and his influence on local politics, he began to amass quite the list of enemies. Other important local figures accused him of downright devilish behavior. And as Brian Regal points out, his family crest had winged dragons on it. Are things adding up yet? Could all this bad blood way back be the start of a story that morphed into the cryptid that we know today? Certainly, some skeptics think so. Many point back to the early 20th century as the first appearance of the devil in print, although we found 19th century proof of sightings in a variety of newspapers, most of which described creatures more bird-like than anything else. If the story was, at its root, a political attack, what were those rural Southern Jersey residents experiencing? What creature did those boys stumble upon in the woods in 1909? And, dare we ask, what is stealing donuts from unsuspecting truckers in 2022? Of all the cryptids we've covered, perhaps the Jersey Devil isn't the most likely to exist. Though we are never willing to fully rule out something so fascinating as a collie or maybe dragon, or possible kangaroo, or maybe owl, with hooves. And after all, it's Halloween, strangers. Is there any better time to suspend our disbelief and just listen, just a little more closely, to see if we can hear those far-off shrieks in the woods? We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers, from the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Strangers, 
I've released my first book, and it's available everywhere now as audiobook, hardcover, and ebook. It actually came out just last week. It's called Lay Them to Rest, and it's about John and Jane Doe's, my years-long experience following forensic experts around the country, and our efforts to solve the mystery of a cold case. One Strange Thing is an independently produced podcast. To support the show and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, you now have three options to enjoy two extra bonus episodes a month. On Apple Premium and Supercast, you can get the bonus episodes delivered to your app of choice for just $2.99. And for $2 more a month on Patreon, you'll get more fun extras. There you'll find ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, two full-length bonus episodes a month, monthly giveaways, blog posts, and occasional live streams, all for $5. We hope you'll check out one of these options to support the show. There's a link in our show notes. And if you enjoy One Strange Thing, please take a moment to leave us a great rating or review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.